Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Well, have you ever had a setback? Of course, we've all had setbacks, but sometimes those setbacks just seem to pile up on us. And we're going to discuss that story with its author today. And then I'm going to discuss the difference between Hot Wheels cars and Matchbox cars. And if you thought there was no difference, you're in for some enlightenment today. (laughs) Well, as mentioned, we have a guest today from the great state of South Carolina. He's an airline pilot. He has a great story to share. Please welcome Keith Sykes. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me, Dean. So glad to have you here. Uh, So did you have a good trip over? Oh, it was great. So what's it like if if you're an airline pilot and you're used to getting behind in a cockpit and flying places where you can get long distances in short periods of time? What's it like getting in the car and driving? Is it weird? Uh, Well, uh, I drove from Florence, South Carolina yesterday, and if I was in an airplane and did that, it would have taken just about an hour. Yeah. That includes takeoff and landing and parking. And it took you how long to drive? Uh, uh, About five and a half. Five and a half, yeah. Wow. (laughs) What a difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, tell us about you, your family, you... well, you, you I, just mentioned you're an airline pilot. What, what else you got going on there? So uh, I, uh, I I work part time as a as a Christian counselor. All right. And uh, I picked this up when I realized that retirement was coming, and, <laughs> and I'm not ready to retire. And Good. so I, I picked that up. And I've I've been married to a beautiful lady named Kathy for uh, 33 years. As of May the fifth, we have two boys, uh, both of whom are in the airline industry. One is a pilot. One is a mechanic f- uh, for a major airline. Just got hired there. Have four grandkids. And because of a tragedy, we have partial custody of one of them. Wow. Uh, my man Bryce. Okay. Right. <laughs> Bryster's going to be excited to hear this. He's well, four years old, awesome. and he spends a lot of time with us. He runs with Granddaddy, a uh, block at a time. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> Rides bikes with Granddaddy. Does yard work. He's he's a great little guy, and he's so much a part of our lives, and so much the incentive to remain healthy. That's awesome. That's a great to get them started young like that. Yeah, and the others are, are awesome too, but yeah. the, we just don't see them as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the bad part about them growing up, right? My two are both. They're grown. They're married now. They live fairly close to me, but I hardly ever see them because they've got their own lives, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just like we did our parents. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> the same way. Yep. All right, let me talk about our sponsor for the week. Our sponsor for the week this week is Superior Plumbing and Electrical. Superior Plumbing and Electrical has the best service for all of your plumbing and electrical needs. They do commercial, industrial, and residential needs. They service Calhoun and all surrounding counties. You can find them on Facebook at Superior Plumbing and Electrical Systems Incorporated today. So check out Superior Plumbing if you have a need, especially if you live here in a local area. So we had a, a Facebook post from last week. Actually, I just pulled it off this morning, and um, it's from Lance Parker. It's a very simple and short one. It says this, a rough 5K today, mid-80s, poor air quality, and high humidity made for a slow run. Doesn't help I decided to go in the middle of the afternoon. Don't let the smile fool you. I was dying, but still trying to shine my light. 
And that's, I, you know, the reason why I bring this one up is because we all have those days, right? <laughs> yes, we do. We, we all have those days We have where things are just tough and, and then the weather doesn't cooperate with us. It makes it even tougher. And that's okay. And I guess my thing is, is we have to be careful not to let the weather completely derail us, right? It's okay to go, okay, it's going to be tougher today because it's 90, right? But it doesn't mean I, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm completely out of the game. I got to slow down a little bit. I may not have as good a time out there running today, but I'm going to get out there and get it done anyway. So many people just, they just give up. It's before they even start it, before they take the first step. It's 90 degrees out there. There's no way I can do this, you know, and then it's, and they're done and they're going to feel even worse because of what's going on in their brain. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about whenever you have any kind of an, a situation like this, remember that you can't control the weather, right? There's nothing you can do about it. Nothing anybody can do about it. And so worrying about it is only going to make things worse. It can't make things better. It can only make things worse. So the best thing you can do, and this is the way I like to do it, this morning was a good example. So this morning, I meet with a high school group three times a week. This morning, um, I couldn't run with them this morning. Well, it was nice and cool this morning. It was a great time to run to have run this morning, but I couldn't run with them this morning. So I'm going to have to run this afternoon at 5 o'clock this afternoon, you know, when it's a lot hotter outside and potentially could be storming. I look at that as an opportunity, right? I have an opportunity to overcome the poor weather instead of in, instead of worrying about the poor and going, oh, it's so terrible. I've got to run this afternoon. No, I get to run this afternoon and I get to overcome whatever. It's going to be 80 something degrees and it's just going to be what it is. And I'm, and if it's raining, then I'm going to get wet and that's fine too, right? You're so, going to get wet whether it's raining or not. Today. Well, well, that <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. So here's what I again my encouragement is to reframe the way you look at these things. Okay, right. So I remember there's a guy that I listen to occasionally. He talks about how he, he he's had a lot of people that have told him they've he's changed their life in the way that he describes alcohol because he looks at alcohol and he says what alcohol is to me is poison. It's not good for my body. And alcohol is poison. So if I drink alcohol, it's like I'm pouring poison into my life. And he says a lot of people, when you, when you tell them that and you reframe it in that way, you go, Oh, I may, I may, I may have too many drinks, but that kind of changes the way I look at it, <laughs> you know, and it completely reframes you away from thinking about trying not to do something maybe that you don't really want to do. And and so reframing things can make a huge difference in a lot of things we do. It's an awful lot of what I do as a in my mental health work, I bet. which which I've brought been able to bring into the airlines. So I'm a mental health consultant for our pilot union now. Oh, cool! And so we do a lot of peer. I'm part of a peer counseling group that's modeled after SISM, like law enforcement fire uses. Yeah, and and so this is an awful lot of what we do. And there's there's a principle about denial. It's like instead of saying I can't have alcohol, say I'd rather use something else because that's not going to help me meet my goals. It's this just, this is going to derail my plans and the things that I need to do. Yeah. It's going to it's going to lead me to do things I don't want to do. So rather than saying I can't have that, it's better to say I can do this instead. Yeah. Yeah, that's just reframing. It's just, it's really the same thing. Yeah. It's just a different reframe. I can run. Yeah. And, and, 
Dean, I, I don't remember. I remember a lot about your podcast, but I don't remember if I ever heard you guys talk about the runner's high very much. I have always been really susceptible to it. Yeah. And so, uh, it's, it's a really good thing to be addicted to. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And, and, and you're right. There is, I, I read a book one time called Positive Addiction that talked about all of that and how that works in our brain and, and the endorphins and the things that go. And it, it's, it's, it is fascinating. You can be, you can be addicted to good things. You could be addicted to reading your Bible. Right? Yes, yes, you could. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, you could. And many are. All right. We had a trivia question for last week. The trivia question was during the time of the Incan Empire, there were young men known as Chazkis. What was their purpose? And this is what I got from Wikipedia. This is, these guys are fascinating. The Chaskis were messengers of the Inca Empire. Agile, highly trained, and physically fit, they were in charge of carrying the Kipis, Kipus, I can't hardly say it, Kipus, messages and gifts up to 240 kilometers per day. That's 150 miles through the Chaskis relay system. Chaskis were not just messengers. Um, because young boys served as messengers um, who only passed along basic information. But these Chaskis were trained to read and translate the Kipus to each other and higher authorities. So what they did was they took these messages and they created, they didn't write it down. Okay, well, you would think delivering a message, you would write it down. Well, what they did was they took these little ropes and they tied knots in these ropes that was was the message. And so that these were it, these could be confidential messages that they were carrying, that the only people who knew what those messages were were these relay people. If somebody intercepted them, they couldn't tell what the message was. And so it's a really cool way of communicating because, you know, back in this day, of course, um, things were a lot different than they are today. We just pick up a phone today. They had these, these tambos, they called them, their relay stations. And that's, that, those, that's where the, the Chaskis, they would stay and wait for the next guy to show up. And then the, the guy would show up and he would take the, the rope, the message, and he would carry it to the next one. And, um, it, it, it was just really, really cool. Um, to, to read about how this works. It says each Chasky carried two items, a kipu and a patutu. A kipu was used to store and trans, transport information through a system of knotted strings that represented different things based on the kind, color, and number of strings. Chaskis were able and allowed to read, translate, and transfer the information on the kipus. Since some information was only known to the Chasky, a kipu could not be read unless the Chasky was also present with the oral message and translation. The patutu was a conch shell used as a trumpet used to signal other Chaskis that one runner was close so that they could prepare to run. Several paths and preserved, preserved tambos used by Chaskis still exist today. So... This whole thing, I don't know. It sounds interesting to me. It reminds me of Pheidippides, you know, back in the day, you know, and his, the messengers and the, because that was the fastest way. We've talked about that on here before where in Pheidippides day, that was the fastest way to get a message from one place to the other. Like it was faster than a horse. Like horses couldn't 
travel this the, the, this particular terrain as fast as people could. And so that's why they used people and they didn't use horses is because people were faster than horses were. And that's just crazy to think about, right? Uh, but that's that's kind of it, – it's pretty cool to have some of these places still in, in place today. And uh, I did this whole story is really fascinating. It is. Have you ever heard of it? No. I, mean, I had never either. No. I, and you know what? Sometimes I get these these trivia questions. I have no idea where I got them from. I can't remember where I heard this. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that answers the question for me. But I was wondering, where does he get these things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, sometimes I'm looking for stuff, and I'm just scouring and looking. But this time, this one just hit me. I'm not sure where I hit, heard it from, but very interesting. So, so check out uh, the, the Incan Empire had some interesting things going on, for sure. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. We're back, and uh, if you're not joining us on Thursday night, you should. Thursday nights are fun. We, we try to come up with some interesting things on Thursday night. Some of them are very educational. Um, sometimes it's a Bible study. It could be lots of different things, but check us out on Facebook on Thursday nights on our Facebook group. You do have to be a part of Run Club in order to get access to Thursday nights. So if you're not a part of Run Club, you should be. So sign up for Run Club today. Um, and we uh, we... Always love to hear stories from people today. Keith is here to share his story. This is how, what he did. He wrote in and said, here, here's my story. And we kind of got hooked up and now he's here sharing it live. But, uh, it, the, the stories are amazing. Um, you're going to hear a story today you've never heard before because it's Keith's story and everyone is unique. And the story that you have is unique. It may not be anything like what we're going to talk about today, but whatever it is, somebody out there could probably get something out of hearing your story. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure somebody's going to, going to, going to hear some I, things. I, I love the stories. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think some that people had that submitted that had a, a real lack of confidence uh, that it would touch somebody. I've heard some of them and I'm just like, this is incredible. Yeah. And, yeah. and God has this way of timing these things. And yeah. I, I just happened to hear them at like, you know, that's not a coincidence. Nope. Nope. And I've heard that <laughs> every time we do, every time on Thursday nights on, on our podcast, I, I get messages all the time from people. You have no idea how timely this was, you know, and, and God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So you, you, did you come out of the military? Is that how you became a pilot? No. Okay. No, I, uh, I, uh, when I was in my early teens, my, my dad was an engineer. And he traveled, and uh, Dad had flown on a on an initiative that the federal government created right after World War II. He graduated high school the year World War II ended, and they had created this initiative that one boy or two boys in every school, depending on size, could learn to fly at the government's expense. Uh, my dad was in a small school in Dublin, Georgia, and he won the competition, and they taught him how to fly, and which made him a 
charter member of the Georgia Civil Air Patrol, and he stopped stopped flying when he went through engineering school. And he had uh, I'm number three of five, and he had one child that was a well, maybe two that were especially problematic. <laughs> <laughs> especially the middle child was uh, was very problematic, kind of uh, uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yeah. And mom got concerned, said, "Please help this boy." We started building model airplanes together, and it was it was good, and I really I really liked it. But he took me to an air show, and um, it got rained out. And this guy named Dwight Cross did a uh, did one circuit around the pattern in his pit special, did a high speed pass. And Dean, I haven't been far away from airplanes ever since. Uh, wow. <laughs> and uh, and the, he just barely stayed out of the clouds, and he, he got it turned around. And he said, "Then he'd come back shaking his head." But I was absolutely hooked. Wow. And Dad spent. Uh, probably an hour in the rain with me that day going through all these airplanes he had seen right after World War II. Wow. This is a PT-17 Stearman, and I have 100 hours in these. I crop dusted in them. And uh, he gets to a J-3 Cub, and Dad got choked up, and he said, that's what I learned to fly in. Ah, and uh, I, I was able cool. to get a seaplane rating in a, in a Cub a couple of years ago. Wow. Wife gave it to me as a gift. but So I started taking lessons. Uh, I picked up part-time jobs, started with a paper route, Worked in a grocery store and just started doing things. Dad helped me pay for them. And so I just earned flight ratings over the years. And the company that trained me, hired me, uh, offered me a job when I was uh, just got my flight instructor certificate when I turned 20. Uh, wow. And uh, I just really had no personal confidence. Yeah, and so I went in the army with the promise that the highly technical school that I went through would lead to a helicopter school. And about six months into it, I realized I'd been had and had been stuck in a slot. Oh. And so I, dagger, I, I, uh, I, I hung in there yeah. and went back to a National Guard unit, uh, okay. uh, jaded and upset, and uh, started applying for regular army helicopter school. And about thirteen months into that lengthy, lengthy process, I got offered a job by the same. People again, and I stayed in my guard unit. Wow. Went to work for them as a flight instructor. Eventually, a charter pilot. Stayed with them for five years, and uh, wow. then went to a training organization uh, when I went to college. Yeah, uh, to become what I assumed would be a missionary. Uh, and uh, I worked in a training company down in Lakeland, Florida, that trained corporate pilots in the same aircraft that I had flown charter in, huh. and wow. uh, did that. Uh, came out. Uh, it, it, it just totally felt like a coincidence at, at every point. And, uh, and so this denomination we were serving required us to pastor uh, before we could go on the mission field. And by this time, I'm like, you know, airplanes are just not spiritual enough for a guy like me, an honor graduate from a Bible college with a preaching minor. And, and, uh, and I got into pastoring, and it was so confining. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it was so political, yeah, and, and it was so. Uh, oh, we we just it, it, and the kids started coming along, and I started gaining weight, and and uh, uh, ten years into it, I'd had it. Okay. I had just had it, and you know, Dean, I'm really careful about the voice of God. Yeah, uh, I, I know that God speaks to my heart, and my heart speaks to me. Right. So I, I've. 
I, I don't think I've ever heard voices. I have mostly when I was asleep. <laughs> uh, so I don't really hear voices, but one day uh, I had, uh, I was really, really troubled. And of course I went back to running, which I, uh, we can talk about that later if you want mm-hmm. to. If not, I won't bore you with the details of my first time in, in running, but, uh, I had picked up running again and I was running at this park and I felt the Lord wanted to speak to me and I said, here I am. No, I just whatever you want. And he asked me, uh, a word came to my mind. It's the word kinesthesia. And, uh, and it was, it, what came to my heart was like a question. What is kinesthesia? And that's, that's a term that pilots use all the time. It's a okay. sense of changing speed, direction, or motion. Okay. And, and I'm like, well, it's a sense of changing speed, direction, or motion. And, and the thought came to my mind. So what do you feel? You know, what do you feel? What's going on with you? What I feel is kind of stasia. Something's changing. And, uh, and then it's like, this is what's happening to you. Uh, I met a pilot for the airline that I work for now, uh, through my son's involvement with Civil Air Patrol. Back full circle to dad's thing. Yeah. yeah. One of my sons got involved with Civil Air Patrol and he loved it. And, uh, I got current again. And this pilot and I really hit it off. And I'm like, oh, I've been out of professional aviation for 10 years now. There's Surely there's not a place for me. This was right after 9-11. Oh, you know, wow. Post-9-11 when the hiring started again, airlines mm-hmm. were completely changing shape. Yeah. And this guy recommended me, uh, seeing my flying work with Civil Air Patrol and how much I loved it. And just I just sensed the hand of God when I was in an airplane. And oh, it's yeah. like, this is so primal this is so me this is so much my touch with my dad uh who was a tremendous influence to me and um uh, i got an interview and i went in there with sort of a chip on my shoulder like this is a big joke yeah (laughs) i haven't haven't flown professionally in 10 years yeah i've been flying a lot of small planes and uh and you know usually dane when i go for interviews i'm a little uptight yeah. Overplanned and, yeah. And so this time it's like, I'm 42 years old. All these guys that are in here are like in their twenties and, and they're, they're not going to take me seriously. So I didn't take it that seriously. They loved it. I heard yeah. it on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there ever since. And the rest is and, history. Uh, yeah. This, so what, what kind of planes do you fly today? I, I fly an Embraer. Okay. Uh, it's an Embraer jet. Okay. And so we were the first of the super regionals. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so what was happening after 9-11 was the airlines didn't want to give up their route structure. And uh, the airline salaries had gone out the roof. 9-11 yeah. was their opportunity to unload everything. Yeah. And they scaled everything down. Everybody yeah. took pay cuts to avoid furloughs. Yeah. And these these regionals, which used to be commuters, these regionals uh, got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the planes that we flew got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And so uh, we we essentially became a B-scale uh, I, I do, I do runs that are, I fly an airplane that's as big as a lot of airplanes that were major airline airplanes yeah. when we were kids. Yep. That's now, I fly right. something that's bigger than the DC-9. Yeah. Uh, bigger than the Fokker F-100. And yet I, I flew it for a regional. And so in the meantime, a lot of us are watching our careers, uh, going away. <laughs> wow. I, you know, we're, we're watching all this opportunity. And, uh, at one time we were 62% of the industry. 
Wow. And now the whole thing has shifted after COVID to come back from COVID, and a lot of us aged out in the meantime. Wow. And so, but I fly the Embraer. I've flown at its largest 99 passenger seats and as small as 62. Okay. And it's the same airplane, and it's a wonderful, wonderful airplane, fun to fly. And uh, I just rode on one of those back in, I guess it was February. Oh, everybody we has them now. Dakota. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah, yeah. fantastic. A lot of people like them better than the Airbus or the 737. Yeah. Very comfortable. Yeah. Very comfortable. And up front, it's ergonomically, it's just so cool. Ah. And it flies so nice. That's awesome. And so a lot of us, a lot of us have said, well, even if we did have the opportunity, we probably wouldn't go anywhere else because we'd like the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm in the, the, the golden years of this thing. I have, it took me 20 years to get the seniority I have. Yeah. And so I, I, I basically work three at the most four days a week. Yeah. And usually not even every week. So I'm staying home doing peer support and union things, writing for the union. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's uh, pretty it's, cool. It, it's really a good life and I have, yeah. I have no complaints. Yeah. That's awesome. It's it's funny you mention that because I I can't explain the way I feel. The best the best thing I've ever heard to explain the way I feel when I run is the quote from Chariots of Fire. I can't remember it now, but when it, I run, I feel his pleasure. Yes, that that's the way I feel when I run. And and for most people, most people don't understand that running is hard and it hurts and it's it's good for me and I know I should do it maybe but it, it just it's different and, and I hear you when you're flying you have that same feeling when you fly to a point and and God can use all of those things right so God God took a, a an old man you know that just loved to run and is using an old man to to do stuff that I never thought I would do. And, and it's, you know, he's using you through leadership within the, within that union and with all the counseling and stuff. The stories that you probably can share with people from your profession are probably just invaluable to those people that you're, that you're talking to. Uh, absolutely. And I, I don't, I don't want to get away from running because running, I, Dean, I've always been a runner. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I drove my mom crazy. My, 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 my dad, my dad just loved this about me. Yeah, you know, I, I was the kid that went face first over the handlebars. <laughs> right? I was the one that was on first name basis with the people in the in the ER. Right? Yeah. And most of the people that I work with, most pilots, we're the kid in the family that's like that. Yeah. yeah. And and yet, my mom's one story that she used to tell all the time is she said, "You used to scare me to death because you ran." Through the dining room, and she said, and that you go by that table and you miss your eye by less than a quarter inch. And she said, and you did not know how to walk. You ran everywhere you went. Yeah. And so I was yeah. always the runner as well. And a lot of that kind of kind of played out psychologically. I spent a lot of my life running, and flying was always great because it's very exciting, but it's also exhausting. Yeah. And I've I've yeah. been doing it long enough to have had it bite me a couple of times. Yeah. So what's it like being your pilot and your runner? So do you get the opportunity to hang out like to run in some cool places or or do you never have time for that? I uh I try to run everywhere I go. Yeah. And uh 
so uh, I, I know I'm not the only old guy here, and I'm not that much older than you, but but I'm not the only. I don't I don't feel safe like I used to. Yeah. And uh, taking some falls has has kind of made me think a little different. Yeah. And uh, and I hate that it's but it's part of aging. Yeah. You, know, you just maybe you just get a little bit more. Uh, you just know that the stakes are higher. Yep. Uh, you know if if uh, but and you're not as coordinated as you uh, once no, were. You don't see as well as you once did, especially yeah. with the weight gain that I've had. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah. I feel my best when I'm shaped like you. Yeah, and people say you look painfully thin, and it's like I will never listen to them again because I feel my best yeah. when I'm about fifty pounds lighter than I am. Yeah. and they're like, "Oh, you look like you're starving." I am not starving. I feel yeah. wonderful. I'm eating three thousand calories a day, <laughs> training I, for a marathon. I feel awesome. <laughs> and I and I I hear that from time to time. Like, no, don't worry about me. I'm fine. But believe me, I'm, yeah. I don't don't oh, yeah. don't worry I, about. I, me. I feel great. Yep. <laughs> so I do try to run everywhere that I go. Yeah, and there are some places that it just doesn't work. Yeah, uh, one one uh, rainy or uh, uh, freezing rain night in Kansas City, I got on a treadmill that lurched every three seconds, oh. and it's like I want to see. You know, I had my foot pod on. I want to see my pace, and, and I can barely stay on my feet on this thing. But yeah. I just cannot give up this day's run. Yeah. And I was able to pull off a 30-minute run. It was absolutely exhausting. I bet it was. Wow. But then again, I've run in places that you would never believe are so beautiful. Just south of Detroit, um, yeah. long overnight, so there's a park there. And, and you know, I was, I've been able to pull off seven mile runs run all over new england every place that we go in uh, new england running uh, one day in canada uh, i i was uh i was training for a marathon training for marine corps as a year i was training for marine corps and i was running and uh you where i live it's even more hot and humid than it is here yeah i couldn't believe the humidity this morning but yeah. uh, it was even hotter and humid and people kept stopping their cars in toronto i uh, excuse me. You know it's twenty five degrees. <laughs> I know that's twenty. I know it's seventy seven, sir. And that's where I where I come from. That's cold. Yeah, you know, the yeah. humidity's thirty percent. Yeah, and seventy seven degrees. Yeah. And I was in heaven. And you're like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It felt great. Whereas at home, during the year that I trained for my first marathon, it did not get below eighty one Fahrenheit for three months. Day or wow. night. Wow. Humidity never yeah. went below 70% for three months yeah. of my first three months of marathon training. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you're out near the coast. Uh, I, I am 60 miles inland. Okay. Yeah. yeah just yeah. south of Florida. The closer you get to the coast, the more humid it uh, is all the time. Yes. Yeah. We have a little more heat than the coast does. Yeah. But, and yeah. the humidity is very high. Yeah. You get the benefit of the high humidity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. But we've talked about that before. Humidity is... Again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Humidity is a good thing because it, it gives a, people move to altitude to train at a place that's harder to run on purpose. Yeah. So having the extra humidity just makes it that much tougher and that much better. You know, it does. And I, and I love it, but it really, really hurts my endurance. Yeah. So I love these New England overnights. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. when I was training for Marine Corps, I used to bid them. So we we are able to bid for schedules. Okay, so I would cool. bid Albany, New York, and Portland, yeah. Maine, and Burlington, Vermont, and <sighs> Manchester, and and nice. all those places just have wonderful places to run. Yeah, yeah, that's great stuff. All right, well, how about you? You've got a story here. It's called "Run and Do Not Grow Weary, Walk and Do Not Faint." That sounds familiar. Um, 
So I'm going to let you just kind of read your story or talk about however you want to do it. <laughs> and um, we'll, we'll go we'll go through this, and then we'll have some questions and some scripture at the end of it. Okay. So. Um, yeah, I've, I've kind of agonized over how I'm going to do this because I really don't want to just read it. No, go ahead and read it. If yeah, it's it's uh, fine. Well, that's what we normally do. Okay. Uh, so uh, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just read it. So uh, I had a dear friend that served with me uh, in church years uh, prior, and he he was a marine. And spent 14 years as a Marine. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer mm. and he was dying. And so I entered, I decided to enter the lottery for the 2015 Marine Corps marathon to, to honor him. And, uh, at this time I'd been running for 10 years. I had completed numerous races, including four full marathons. I was a, a locally competitive age grouper and uh, just, just truly, truly loved running. But I, I had some concerns. And, and I didn't put this in the story, but I want to tell you this. I was running a local 10K, and my son was deployed in Afghanistan, my older son. And I had a guy in a kind of nondescript white shirt that said, Run for God on it, come beside, come up beside me. This came to my mind when I was pre- preparing for this. And so he came up beside me, and he was older than me, but he was faster, I could tell. And, and he says to me, How can I pray for you? Yeah. First, he asked me about my salvation. Yeah. I said, Oh, I met the Lord in 1984. Yeah. And he says, so how can I pray for you? And I said, my son is in Afghanistan. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my lifetime. Yeah. And he said, what's his name? And I said, his name is Michael. And he prayed for Michael right there while we ran side by side. Wow. And then he said, God bless you, brother. We'll be praying for Michael. And off he went into the crowd. Wow. <laughs> and, That's uh, pretty That awesome. was my first encounter with, with Run for God. Wow. And so I started looking at this. It, it had become a huge part of my life. And it was helping me deal with so many things. And I don't really remember, remember how it happened, but I stumbled across Mitchell's story. And I uh, started looking at starting a Run for God group. And the guy that was a softball coach became my my closest ally. And we talked about this. I talked to the pastor, and his only stipulation was talk to Coach Victor. Okay. <laughs> talk to Coach Victor. And he helped me uh he helped me start the thing, or he promoted it, and we did a couch to 5K uh, program. We started with 31, 18 graduated, and including walkers. I, I included walkers from day one. Day Great. one. And, uh, it just, because there were people that just couldn't run, had a knee replacement or were heavy or something. So we included them. And, um, so, uh, I found out during that time while I was working with this group that I had been picked for the, I had won the lottery <laughs> for the Marine Corps marathon. Yeah. I was going to get to run it. And it was one hot, humid summer. And yet my, my group held fast. And the day they graduated, which was in uh, early September, I believe, uh, torrential rain. Wow. And so I had 18 graduates in torrential rain, and they, they, they really showed me something. So six of those wanted to go on and do a 10K, so we started another class. And I took the six uh, through 10K while I did another uh, challenge. And, of course, graduation day, torrential rain. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and the, and those, those six, uh, three of those six, might have been four, were so excited about it, they said, can we do a half marathon? And so uh, I, I worked with them, got them, uh, including Coach Victor, and we went to uh, to Myrtle Beach and did the Myrtle Beach Mini, uh, okay. which at the time was a point-to-point race. 
from the Myrtle Beach Mall to the boardwalk at okay. a Boston-like finish uh, <laughs> through where uh, the big uh, strip there and people would just literally line the streets and scream at you. It was great. Oh, wow. It was just great. And they loved it. All of them graduated. And it was on Sunday, and our uh, pastor gave us permission to uh, do it. And uh, the Lord put on my heart before we started, so here's your mission, and this is what we're going to talk about after the race is over, uh, before we do our devotional time and our, our uh, prayer time. This is what this is what the Lord put on my heart. I want you to tell two people while we're here. So we were wearing jerseys that were very distinct, had scripture verses on them, yeah. and team, and uh, and our team, and uh, I want you to tell two people. And oh, uh, uh, Dean. Uh, the the stories yeah the stories That's and awesome. everybody did it and one guy in the last mile did both oh, wow. <laughs> he was so shy and uh, the last mile it, it was just just wonderful oh. and so these are some of the greatest memories of my life I bet I bet and, uh, Wow. Uh, and I, I, I still, uh, I actually sent Coach Victor a, a text this morning, told him where I was going. <laughs> so he's going to be, I can't wait to hear from him. Uh, and, and so, uh, I, uh, I taught people from day one that this is not just for beginners, that this is something that you can use to get back. Mm-hmm. If you ever lose your way or something happens, this is a way you could get back. And sadly, I had no idea. That I was going to be using my own words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, March seventh, twenty seventeen, Key West, Florida, on a uh, on an overnight. I went out for a four mile run, and uh, out of Proverbs four, it stood out to me to be careful the path of your feet. Mm. And I thought it had to do with a church situation uh-huh. and my attitude toward it. And I went around a power pole and tripped on a a surveying stake that had a little piece of green tape on top of it. I caught my left foot on it, and I stumbled six steps. Rather than doing the smart thing and just rolling into the grass, I tried to stay on my feet, landed on my knee on the sidewalk, and arms stretched out, freestyle swimming position. And... uh, uh, you know, uh, Dean, you're you're a long term runner. I bet you've had a lot of injuries. Oh, I've had mine. I've I've had that happen to me. That exact thing I've had happen. So yeah, uh, so I've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, and they all went away. The knee. I thought the knee. I thought that was it. I thought it was shattered. It was bruised. Yeah, a couple yeah. weeks it was fine. Wow, uh, and just the abrasions hurt worse than the the actual uh, bruising. Well, but, and the embarrassment of getting back up afterwards, I think, sometimes hurts about as bad as any of it. <laughs> Finish the run. It's yeah. probably not the smartest thing I ever did. Uh, blood running down my leg and and whatever else. And so uh, I, I didn't. Uh, by the next day, my my crew was saying, "You need to go to ER. You know, you can barely move. You can't reach into the overhead. I'm having to switch hands to reach into the overhead wow. in the airplane." The other guy was helping me. And when I got home, uh, it, it's uh, crazy. Two years, two years, mm. and. Uh, Someone discovered that they could make that pain go from one arm to the other. MRIs, nobody could figure out what was wrong. And a young orthopedist right out of medical school said to me, it's your cervical spine. And so he ordered an MRI, and we went to look at it, and uh, sure enough, it was wow. in really, really bad shape. 
really, really scary. Yeah. By this time, I was losing grip in my hands. Oh my it, it was so bad that uh, it could have been, could have been, it was definitely life threatening at that point. It was definitely career threatening. I never stopped running through all this. Yeah. So I was doing wow. okay. But the surgeon that I talked to, he said, your, your time is short on this. Yeah. I put it off six more months and was really losing the grip, especially in my left hand, which is one of the major hands that I need in the airplane. Yeah. And so, uh, so a running injury had led me to find something that was already there. I didn't see it like that at the time. I really resented this. <clears throat> I didn't want to have the surgery. I didn't want to take three months off from running. And so I went and had the surgery and went in there in fear and trembling. And yes, I prayed. Of course I did. <laughs> but I just, I was so uneasy about it and came out and there were complications. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I've never really gotten the, my, my fingers still tingle. Yeah. And the surgeon says you, you waited too late. And so, but, uh, full grip and everything. So I'm able to do my job. But while I was recovering, this was in the surgery was in December 2019. While I was recovering, I caught some mystery illness. <laughs> yeah, well, the mystery illness that we yeah. know now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had a terrible cough. I yeah. lost my sense of taste and smell. I couldn't get out of bed. Didn't want to eat anything or even, I didn't even want to drink water. And this thing went on for months. And of course, I got back to work, uh, in March of 2020 and the whole world shut down. Yeah. And I couldn't run, Dean. I couldn't run, which uh, was my go-to. Because of the way you were feeling? Uh, I, I couldn't run because I was still recovering from the surgery. Yeah. I had oh, not okay. been cleared to run, so I started walking, and I could walk fast, and I really hadn't started gaining that much weight. But uh, it was it was a rough time. And when I did get where I could run, starting in April, uh, the airline paid me not to come to work. <laughs> and that's that's a whole different story, but that's how I finished the master's degree. Wow! Uh, was uh, and it all looked it looked awful. You know, at the time, my life just looked horrible. I couldn't run. <laughs> yeah, uh, the airline was paying me not to come to work. But the only thing that didn't shut down was counseling agencies. And I had agonized for years while I went through this program about what am I going to do when I get to internships. And the one thing that didn't shut down was counseling agencies. Yeah. And so I got my internships in while the airline paid me. I wore airline clothes wow. <laughs> with casual shirts, <laughs> you yeah. know, airline pants and shoes they paid for and everything <laughs> else and went and uh, got paid to be a counselor <laughs> while I was an intern. Wow. I didn't even have a master's degree. And so uh, after being diagnosed with long COVID, I was struggling with <laughs> uh, plantar uh, fasciitis and one foot. I heard mm. you talk about that. Yeah. Uh, a... a, a uh, a hip injury. Uh, when you started describing that yesterday, it's like, that's gotta be psoas. Cause yeah. I had a problem with the psoas. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and so that flares every once in a while with mm. me. And last year I, I got hurt in a training accident. I was, I was doing well. It's doing fine, beginning to kind of get my moxie back. And, uh, I went off a, a slide in a mock evacuation drill, twisted my right knee and the <sighs> thing got huge. Dean, uh, I couldn't even cycle. Oh, I couldn't no. get on an elliptical, couldn't cycle, couldn't do a rowing machine, could barely lift upper body weights. And so here we go again. Golly. And, uh, you know, we're uh, by this time, we're three years into this, yeah. one injury after the other. Mm-hmm. And the weight gain was really, really happening. And when I got where I couldn't even cycle, then I started packing it on. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard. So uh, I don't know if you wanted to pause there. 
Well, at some point, at some point in time, I guess you got to the point where you, um, you were able to, to, to walk, to run or, or do something, right? I guess well, after, after the doctor that. cleared me. And what's, what's really cool, uh, medical professionals over the year have not, years have not been real complimentary of my running. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> I, I've heard that enough. Yeah. It's, it's, it's usually they're like, well, I'm glad that a man your age can, keep his weight off like this, but I'm not sure this running is good for you. And it's like, I've, I've heard this so many times. So, uh, I, I finally found the time to get an MRI on that knee yeah. and it was clearly a meniscus injury. Yeah. And it's like, I know that I know I'm going to have to get cut again. Yeah. And I go in there and the thing, uh, this doctor tells me, he says, that meniscus is not torn. Okay. He said, I know that hurts. It has a lot of swelling in it. He said, but it's not torn. And he, and he said, um, he said, I, I think, uh, that running has kept you, has kept your, your body really strong. That's right. That's right. And he said it probably would have torn with anybody else. It probably would have torn. Yeah. And so, uh, it, despite my discouragement, I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So some things happened structurally with me over the years that I ran, 2005 to what 2019 that I ran just about every single day. Right. And and so I got strong. And he said, you can do whatever you want to do. Just reference the pain in that knee because if yeah. it starts swelling again, it's going to hurt. It could tear. Yeah. And so I started walking more, started cycling again, which hurt at first. Yeah. And uh, at some point, uh, I, I changed from being a, a minimalist runner to, to carrying my phone with me. And uh started listening to the Run for God podcast because I found them extremely motivational tried to do them the first my first workout of the week and it's like the rest of the week i was thinking about them wow and i don't remember who it was but i remember somebody talking about starting over yeah and saying i I don't know if it was gay or who it was but said at some point i just said i gotta do this again yeah and one day it was like it it probably was yeah one day it was just like i gotta try i gotta try to run and so I went back through my notes <laughs> from my classes and the things that I read. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, all that stuff you said yes. is now bouncing off the wall and coming right back to you. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Yeah. And one day I ran. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did the five minute intervals. I didn't, I tried starting at the beginning. It wasn't quite enough. Yeah. So I, I just jumped in and I kept jumping ahead and jumping ahead. And, and there we were. <laughs> this is the way walk in it. Uh-huh. And it's coming back. It's, it's not, uh, it's not coming back as fast as I would like it to, but I have a lot to overcome. Well, the older we get, the slower it is. To get there. So we just have to be a lot more patient as we get older. It's good that God gives us more patience as we get older because we need it more as we get older. <laughs> uh, you know, that's really true. It is. It is. <laughs> you know, this reminds me of a story about my, my son. When I don't know if I've told this story on here before, but my when my oldest son was engaged to get married, and then and my youngest son was in a relationship that was was pretty serious. And one day I get a call from him. He says, I want to talk to you about something. And I knew what it was because his mother had called me and said, Caleb's going to call you to talk to you. And this is what he wants to talk to you about because she wanted me to have some notice. And what he was going to do is he was going to tell me he wanted to get married before his older brother. And 
she knew that I was not going to think it was a great idea, right? So he comes over to the house. Well, back up. At one point, when, when my first son graduated, I gave him a list. It was 12 rules, dad's rules for life, I called them. And there were 12 little pithy sayings that I had made up about, because I wanted them to have something they could keep with them and maybe they could pass on something that meant something to them instead of just giving them money or whatever for graduation. So that's why I gave them for their high school graduation. Well, when Caleb comes walking in my house, he's got those framed rules under his arm <laughs> and he walks up and before he said, I said, oh, we sit down, we have exchange pleasantries. We sit down and he looks at me and um, I said, so what do you, what do you want to talk about? And he pulls that list out and he hands it to me and he goes, read number seven and number 12. <laughs> and, and I don't even remember what they were, but I just remember what he was doing was he was using my words against me. <laughs> But it was the best thing ever, right? Because it was, you realized at that point, I realized at that point in time that I had done something for my kids that was good, right? That they, they, uh, this, he looked at these and, and it meant something to him and it, it, it made him think about what he was doing. And what you've done with this class is those words that you go back now and you read that impact that they have on you now. Well, they had an impact on every kid, every person in that class as well, right? All of those people who were trying to get through all that, they had an impact. You had an impact on every one of them. And, uh, it's really cool to go back and see that the things that you do, that you, you're trying to make an impact and you realize at some point they really do have an impact. And so that's what you're seeing. You know, coach Dean, um, it's really easy in our church world to build a hierarchy of importance. Yeah. Jesus had a different hierarchy, and yeah. that is the greatest among you is the servant. Yeah. And I, I've got to tell you that of all the things that I've had opportunity to do inside the church, uh, even having met the Lord as an adult, mm-hmm. the greatest thing that we can do and what brings the great joy, greatest joy is to be a servant. Yeah. And when I was preparing these things, oh, my heart was just so in it, mm-hmm. and I just Poor, and this is one of the reasons that I've stayed affiliated with Run for God, because the framework was there. Mm-hmm. And the people uh, that were behind it, I know, are so have such a great heart for God. And, and it was so easy to really pour your heart into the people that you're coaching using this. Yeah. And, uh, we, we had some tremendous Bible studies just break out in the middle of a running class. That's awesome. That's <laughs> and, awesome. and, and so, uh, it, it was, it was so, uh, gratifying. And yet to see those words come back at me. Yeah. It, it just, uh, it was very humbling because I'm I know sure they was. didn't just start with me. I'm sure it's not a cause for pride in me. It's a cause for giving glory to God. Oh, absolutely. He cares so much about people. Amen. And that had to include me. And that's, that's what I've always said is it's just amazing. He can use somebody like me. I mean, it's, you know, it's like uh, God's using me. What? <laughs> you know, there's so many more qualified and better people out there than me. And that's the, always the way that I look at those things. So you got some scripture passages here. Timothy, second Timothy, um, two, three, and five says, share in, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And then if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes by the rules. 
You go on to say, I finished the plan and have been running regularly ever since. I wish I could tell you that my speed came back instantly, but this has not been the case. Lately, the word on the podcast has been keep doing hard things and hard things will become easier. I cannot express to you how appreciative I am of those words. This means so much to me at this moment in my re-engagement in the running community and my life as a Christ follower. God has never promised us a life without pain or struggle, but he has promised us victory if we continue to do hard things. That's so well put and so true. Um, you're right. He didn't say it would be easy, but he said it would be worth it. And uh, and I, that's 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 what we see, right? Um. So so at this point, how, how much? I think you, you gave me a number earlier. You, you've still got a ways to go to oh. to lose weight and get back where you oh, want to yeah. be. So how, how far are you along, and then how far do you have to go? Oh. I, in the midst of all this, everything put together, I gained 50 pounds. Wow. Okay. Which is huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and putting it on is way easier than taking it off. Oh, yeah. I'm down 10 pounds. Okay. Good. Using, using some really good, good aids. Okay. Uh, slowing down, trying to be patient about it. Uh, not do any kind of crazy diets yeah. or anything. Yeah. And trying to moderate and care for impending injuries. Yeah. And keep on you know, doing the hard things and it's working. Yeah. I'm I'm on a downward trend now. That's finally. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I love this this scripture. Um doing things according to the rules is important. You see so many people this day going against the rules. I see churches these days that are doing things that are anti biblical. Yes, sir. And it just I I just I it breaks my heart. To watch, I, I was just watching a video last night, and I won't, I won't talk about what the subject matter was, but it was just one of these things where this person called themselves a pastor and was doing something that's just completely outside of what the Bible says. And I, I just don't understand, you know, back when, when Thomas Jefferson, um, Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian. They called him a deist at that time. But Thomas Jefferson had a Bible. And you know what he did with that Bible? He took the Bible and he cut out the the pieces that he liked and he pasted them onto pages so that he would have his own Bible. That's what Thomas Jefferson did. Now, I'm not not denigrating Thomas Jefferson because Thomas Jefferson understood the value of a Christian education even when he wasn't a Christian. And that's a good thing, right? But... Um, but that we're doing that today. We're taking out the piece. We're taking out the stuff we don't like in the Bible and we're just chunking it and just keeping the parts that we like. And you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. And as, as we were just saying, it's hard, right? Following Jesus is not always the easiest thing. No. And I, and I do think that even if we're not intentionally deleting things, I think that, that most of us have a functional Bible. Yeah, we, that's a good way to put it. Give me six scriptures, and most of us could quote these six scriptures: mm-hmm. Proverbs three, five, and six. And and depending on your denominational persuasion, you might have you know Hebrews eleven one and Hebrews eleven six, things like that. But this is sometimes this is all we have. Yeah, and we we missed parts where David's men rose up against him and we're going to kill him because their families got carted off yeah. in Ziklag. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right? We, we missed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another scripture passage says, um, 
Even the youths faint, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Of course, that's Isaiah 40, 30, and 31. We all, we've probably, if you're a runner, you've heard that <laughs> for sure. If you're not a runner, you probably still have. Um, but, but this was, uh, this was my favorite verse when I was a kid. Um, I have a, a, uh, wall hanging that I still have today that I've had for many, many years that has this verse on it. Cause I, I loved it so much when I was younger, um, because this whole idea of running and not growing weary really sounds appealing. <laughs> To me, <laughs> um, indeed. But so this is a good verse for walkers too, because it actually mentions walking as well as running, which sure. which I think is cool for our walking community out there. Um, but it says those who wait upon the Lord, and again back to this day and time, we're not so good at waiting. Everything is so instant these days. You know, if I want something, I pull my phone out of my pocket and I. I type in a few things and I order it from Amazon and two days from now it comes to my door. You sure. know, that's, we're so spoiled. You don't even have to go look for it anymore. No, it's <laughs> just, yeah, it's so simple and so easy and everything, you know, today, television today is on demand. You know, remember the days where we had to be sitting in front of a television at, you know, Sunday at eight o'clock to oh, watch whatever it is we wanted to watch because that's when it was on. Well, now you, you don't have to do that. You just turn it on when you want to. Right? Sure. And so everything is so convenient these days that we're just not good at waiting upon the Lord. And this is something and Mitchell talks about it all the time. He talks about we have to find time to do nothing. And that's so important to do. And, you know, you, you, you have a busy life. You know, we've talked about some of the other things that you besides your regular job. And, and it's uh, we, we still have to find time to yeah, I, and it's really easy to become addicted to the busyness. Yeah, and to lose the important things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 hard to 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 force yourself to to be again. When you watch, I watch. You ever watch a music video these days? Yes. Huh. The difference between a music video today and when MTV first came out and what was it in the eighties, I guess, when MTV first started, the difference between a music video today and then is so huge. Back then you had scenes and you had things they would show in a video. Now nothing stays on the screen for more than one or two seconds at a time. You know, that is true. It, it's, it's so rapid in the, the things that are hitting our brain so fast, one after another, after another. And that's the way kids are brought up these days. They're caught, they're brought up to not have a real long attention span because everything is in little bursts. And, and we, we can't live that way. We need, we need to, to get still and just let God flow into us. Because if we're all the time going from one thing to the next because we think that's what we need to do, we're going to miss it. Every time. All right. Jeremiah 33, three says, call to me and I will answer you and show you and show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. Um, 
And then you, you followed it up with, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're not the incredible athlete you were when you were younger, and neither am I. Don't give up just yet. God cares about your fitness. I like that line. God cares about your fitness, and he cares about your mental well-being. He may have creative ideas you have not discovered yet. I, I really like that because I, I think that there are those who take fitness and don't think that it's very important. And, and it, it, and the Bible tells us to take care of our bodies. It's pretty clear about that. It's, that's, that's not one of those things that's kind of a gray area. Um, but so many people like to make it a gray area, uh, because sometimes it's hard, right? It's, it's hard keeping ourselves in shape. It, it is. And age and experience and pain, which become more and more part of our lives, could take the heart route out, right out of us. Yeah. And yet God might have a different way of doing this. Yeah. I've been yeah. walking a lot more. Yeah. So uh, I used to stretch a lot before I ran. Mm-hmm. You, I've heard you and uh, you and Mitchell talk about this. Yeah. And I've been on the fence on the, about this for years. Yeah. Sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. But yeah. I got to be honest with you. I think my best way to start a run is to walk. Yeah. And if I get if I'm hurting during a run, the best thing for me to do is to take a walk. Take a walk. And there was a time when I would not do that. Right. But I do believe this is one of these ideas that God has showed me. Yeah. And I'm so glad to hear Run for God jumping on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of people look at me and they, because people especially that live around here, they, they look at me and they go, well, running's easy for you. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's not always easy. There are days when it's really hard, really hard. It's just as hard for me sometimes as it is anybody. And it, you talk to my wife and ask her what I look like getting off the couch sometimes. You know, I look like I'm 90 sometimes because I'm just so sore and stiff. And a lot of it comes from the amount of running that I do. And I still go on. I still want to get out there and do it. That's what I want to do. I, I do it to, to, I could run less and probably feel better throughout the day most days. And, uh, but I don't want to. And so, um, I'm doing what I want to do. But the bottom line is, is that being fit takes a little bit of work. And, um, and I think that. So many people just, they just think, again, things are so easy these days. People take the easy way. Have you seen the studies on young people and social media use? I just, I just did one for my pilot union because people are concerned about their kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids, all they do. Eight hours a day. Yeah. Go to school, eat and do social media Mm -hmm. and Children sleep less than they used to. Mm-hmm. Bullying has gone twenty four seven, whereas it used to just be at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It's it's really really scary. Kids are way heavier than they used to be. Yep, yep. and uh, it's it's really really frightening. It really is. Here's a question: Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's Hebrews ten twenty four and 25. Question, I, th- I think we are all in the habit of applying. I think we are in the habit of applying this only to meetings within a building we call a church. But biblical, the biblical concept of church is the gathering of believers. Isn't that what run for God does? And I'd say, yeah. Um, 
Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or more are gathered in my name. I mean, it's it's um, the, the there's so many people that I've heard from over the years that have said, "Well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian," and and it's true. You don't have to be, a, but you need to do something that is a little like church. No matter what you do, right? Even if you don't go into a church, you need to go to church. <laughs> I, I guess that's the way I would put it. Um, and it's important that, that we understand, too, that I think that we have a Thursday night Bible study that we do in our neighborhood. We haven't done it in a while. One of the guys that was in the group passed away, and we used to do it at his house. And so it's it's kind of on hiatus right now. Um but that's that's church. We may not be in a church, but it's church. It, it, it is church, and yet inside the church, what will run people off quicker than ever than anything was not is not being able to connect with people. Yeah, and w- our our run for God groups were just so meaningful because yeah. we were in we were planted in large large bodies. And it's interesting. Run for God groups are interesting too because they're so diverse. Right. A yes. lot of times we'll run for God groups. You get, you get from six to 90. You get people from, from every age. Oh yeah. And, and what other group do you have like that in the church? One of our first graduates was eight. Yeah. The youngest was eight. The oldest was 72. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, how do you have any Sunday school classes with people from eight to 72? <laughs> Absolutely <Nope>. not. <laughs> what, what other class do you, what other thing do you have at the church where you have that wide of an age range? You just don't have it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that Run for God is, uh, Run for God groups are as close to a church. Oh, as anyway. uh, Coach Dan, you should have heard the testimonies sure. when the pastor would let us talk about finishing <laughs> and the things that people learned yeah. uh, through Run for God. Uh, one, one time I, I really thought he was just going to give us the service because <laughs> the testimonies were just so, so glowing. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Yes. Another question. I'm a career pilot who flies marvelously engineered machines that have parts specifically designed for the work they perform. Every part has a function. Surely our designer has purpose in mind for every part of our bodies. Have you considered why we have ball joints in our shoulders and hips and spring-loaded hinges in our ankles and knees? You know that was a rhetoric question. <laughs> it's clearly so we can run. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, we, we've talked about before, you know, the book Born to Run. If you don't know if you've read that book, but, um, a long time ago, it talks about how our bodies are made to run long distances. That's the way our bodies are made. Um, God, God was clear that he wanted us to run. As far as I'm concerned, I can see it in, in, in the design of the body. The science tells us that. So, um, and what's cool about our bodies is you take an airplane. And something goes wrong with the airplane. I had a friend of mine years ago who he was, he, when he was in college, he was working at, at the Atlanta airport and he drove a cart or something into the wing of an airplane no. and damaged <laughs> this airplane. And the, uh, the, the plane had to be taken back and fixed by somebody, right? Our bodies don't have to be taken back and fixed by somebody. By the, for the most part, you get something where this is just a skint, right? It's got a skint spot on the, on a wing. We get a, we fall down and scrape our elbow and we just get back up. We keep going and over time it just heals itself. 
and our body just heals itself. Sure, and that airplane's going to have inspections for the rest of its life to make sure that there wasn't structural damage. That's right. Whereas if we have it. <laughs> yeah, we just keep rolling. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> uh, it's really amazing the way our body works. Last question. For most of my Christian life, I have heard 1 Timothy 4, 8 preached as the training of the body has brackets, no benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way. That's not what the Bible says. Why do you think it is often preached that way? I don't know that I've ever heard it preached quite that way. Um, you know, I think that, you know, most people preach it as it, it does have some value, but it's, it, it seems to be minimized when you read it or it can feel that way. But I, you know, I looked at it. I thought about this. I never really thought about this much until you, you sent, you had this question and I thought about it. I thought, you know, the reason why God uses that in, in the Bible, why Paul wrote that is that training your body was important. And because it was so important, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, yeah, training your body is really important. Everybody knows that. It's a commonly known thing, right? So he's he's explaining this to people by saying, everybody understands training your body is a good thing. But this over here, worshiping God, way more important, right? This really important thing is really important, but this is even more important. I believe that's the correct interpretation of that scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but you know, I, the the idea that um because yes, this is one of those scriptures we were talking about a little while ago where people take it and they'll twist it around and they'll go, well, you know, look, the Bible says it's not all that important. No, no, that's not what it says, right? Yeah, what, what about where the scripture says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And they had to add that in when they started preaching to uh, to Gentiles because they didn't get it. The Hebrew view was that the human being, the whole human being, is important, and so they had to tack it on and make sure we we that we get the body in there. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, we we just have to. Uh, training is important. Being in shape is important. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. We're back, and so so. What's your what's your? Do you like to run on the roads, the trails? What what do you prefer? Most of my running is on tra- uh, on the road. Is it? Uh, it? It is. Though my favorite thing is tarmac trails. I don't do well with trails. I'm like you. I don't. Uh, for one, I, I really really don't like falling. And when I I, yeah. I have a horrible history with falling, so I like tarmac trails. Well, have you heard me tell the story about why I don't fall as much as I used to? Because you know. Well, what happened was, is I had a, a, when I was coaching at the college, I had a girl who I re- was recruiting 
who said she, her sister ran with us. And so she knew our training schedules and things. And she said, well, so I like to run on the trail more than you guys run on the trail. And I said, well, if you come to Dalton state, we'll run on the trails more because she's just a fantastic athlete. And so, um, consequently we started running on the trails more. And so I ran on the trails more because I was running with them and I got better at it. And I started falling down less. Because I just oh. got better at it because I did it more. Now that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great thought. Yeah. So uh, uh, of course I can't even see my Garmin without. So I have glasses with bifocals in them. Oh yeah. And I think most of my falls have been because of bifocal sunglasses. That could be. I, I really do. Yeah. You can't see your feet. I used to have bifocal sunglasses. I, and I, yeah. Yeah. Then I can't right. see my Garmin without them. That's yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yep. So yeah, I I I don't like rough terrain, but you're probably right. Running yeah. more on trails probably makes you more proficient. Yeah. It, well, it just makes you better at that thing. So, uh, but I'm not saying you should be running on trail. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's very well, this interesting. This time of year, it's it's good to get off that black tarmac. That that it is. It's a little cooler. Crazy a little cooler. Yeah. Well, when you're running at your peak, you, what 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 was your weekly mileage then? I um. You you obviously trained for a marathon, so you you ran some some pretty significant miles at one point. Yeah, my uh, my top mileage, the most I ever ran was like fifty five miles in a All week, right. and so I averaged during marathon training about forty or in the forties. Okay, and so uh, I can comfortably run when I was in my peak shape, I could comfortably run 30 miles a week, okay. which seemed to be kind of my comfort zone, 30, yeah. 33 miles a week, and over four or five days. Yeah. And I had a real nice format uh, that I used with that that worked well with the airline schedule. Yeah. And so uh, I, I could I could stay there, be competitive as high as a half marathon, and without doing much tweaking to yeah. the, the whole thing. So. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So what, what about um – what do you want to talk about your your what's your fastest half marathon or marathon times or anything like that or back in my early days yeah. just after I got out of the army yeah I, I I ran an hour and forty minute half marathon without right. even training for it oh wow wow <laughs> and, and I clowned around and played and uh, my second time around in running in my fifties I went on a quest to break two hours and a half and right. uh, Darlington Speedway I ran a two hour and thirty six second half marathon oh <laughs> I knew I should have sprinted that last hill and I had some friends that were trying to get me there they're like don't burn out yet you're still got two miles to go and i and i knew that i should have burned that hill and i listened to him and i backed off a little bit because it was a steep hill but i i, I would have recovered i could have, i could have done it so 36 uh, seconds yeah it, it was it was right about it was two hours and 36 seconds yeah and, uh, I, i've got some race distances from when i was younger i ran I ran 30 at one point in time I had PRs of like 3401 for the 10k uh 5004 for 15k 10801 for uh oh for 20k it was like I had all of these 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 PRs were like right just barely missing breaking that 
that barrier. That's but, kind of been my my running career my, it, in my yeah. first life in running. I ran a 1706 5K, uh, and I look back at it, it's like, oh no, yeah, uh, yeah. and 2410 in my second time around, uh, yeah. and it's like, you know, I could have shaved a few seconds there and made that <laughs> look even better. Uh, it's all good. So, do you have any running bucket list items that you want to do? You know, the 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 name of the marathon just just went blank. It's the one where Fidipides ran the one in Greek in Greece. Okay. I get I still get the emails every year from them. Is that right? And and it, and it just uh, that would be cool. I, that's what I really want to do. Oh, I, wow. I would love to do it. And I've yeah. been looking at it, talking to my wife about it, and uh, it's like one day, one day. Wow. So, what is the coolest place you've ever run? You know, that's one of your hard questions. I told you some when I came in here that some of your questions are really hard because uh, I, I live in a little rural area and I just have uh, just memories that you and I could talk about for hours. Yeah. One morning when I was training for a marathon, fog rolled across the road just yeah. a, as the sun came through it. Yeah. And, and uh, I think probably Burlington, Vermont. Oh yeah. So the hotel where our crew stayed, uh, there was, it was two and a half miles to the water and it was a tarmac trail there. And, uh, we used to say it's two and a half miles down there, five miles back. <laughs> because it was, the hill was so steep. Yeah. But you get the, down there and you get on, uh, Lake Placid and you can, cool. you could just run. I've never seen the end of that trail. Yeah. And, uh, you could just run and run and run out there. And then the, the city itself is just beautiful. That's probably it. Yeah. I did one of my 20 miles from Marine Corps in wow. Portland, Maine, which I go to constantly and i ran a big loop around the city and it's just a beautiful place as well uh maine, it's really maine, hard to say the coolest place i've ever run that's hard to say maine is one of only three states in the country i haven't been to uh, you gotta do uh, mount desert i need to yeah yeah so any any unique race experiences that you've had um were, were you one of those who raced a lot or did you just every once in a while or uh I was the guy that watched everybody else on Facebook. Okay. And, uh, and did most of my running by, by himself. Yeah. Still like that. And yeah. when I get to run a race, it's a real treat. Yeah. Okay. And, and so most of my races are really unique. Yeah. And, uh, cool. Uh, well, you mentioned Marine Corps. Marine Corps is a, that's a, that's a cool marathon to run. You know, it is, but, uh, there was not good crowd control the year that I was there. Uh, they had a security issue. People couldn't get through and the place, the, they did not enforce the starting gates. Oh, and it no. was a great experience. And my friend got to watch me. Uh, he tracked me online. Yeah. And uh, he died three months later. So oh. it was very, very meaningful to me. Oh, I bet. Uh, but the, the course itself was so crowded that time. Yeah. And I, I've done Myrtle Beach four times. I think I was there the year you won it. Is that right? What, what year was that? 2013. 2013. Yes, yeah. sir. Is that right? I was, I was there. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. 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 That was, uh, that was a good day. Um, so do you see yourself getting back? To, to where you were is that is that your, your ultimate goal is to lose the remaining 40 pounds i guess you want to lose yes sir and and, and be back where you were i just started doing noom okay. and uh it's it's cognitive behavioral therapy based uh, yeah and uh, and it's it's really really working for me okay. because it's all about how you think absolutely and uh and so it's it's working and i yeah. started to say well i'm just going to be realistic because of my age and knock off 20 pounds but it's like why would i do that like Why don't that. I just go for what I want to go? Yeah. And yeah, I want to get where I can. I want to get where I can run fast again, though. Uh, Dean, uh, 
I just know that fast is what I used to be is not really in the cards. Yeah, fast I, is relative. I'm not going to be running yeah. five minute miles again. Right. Even when I was at my peak, yeah. my best my best mile was still in the upper sixes. Yeah, and yeah. whereas my best mile. When I was younger, I, I missed, I missed breaking five yeah, <laughs> by yeah. a few seconds wow. uh, when I was yeah. younger. And I just knew I probably will never see the fives again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I definitely want to be back to that routine of uh, one 10 plus miler per week and all the yeah. cool stuff in between. Well, I hope, I hope we'll be praying for you. All right. It's time for Dean's thoughts. That's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, when I was a kid, we would play with Matchbox cars and Hot Wheels cars, and they were about the same size, so sometimes you didn't even know which was which, but one was clearly better than the other. This is called Hot Wheels versus Matchbox. One of my favorite indoor activities when I was a kid was playing with Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars. The miniature cars provided hours of enjoyment for my friends and I. If you didn't know, although the Hot Wheels brand was the more popular brand, it was the Matchbox cars that were faster, at least on average. That fact is indisputable. After all, my friends and I conducted tens of thousands of tests to prove that point demonstrably. I can hold my shoulders back and head high and declare Matchbox cars were faster than Hot Wheels cars. So why were Hot Wheels cars so much more popular? Well, it's all about style. Hot Wheels cars are designed to appeal to fantasy. They're fantastical and exotic. They can be completely impractical for a full-size car, but that was part of the appeal. In a word, Hot Wheels were cool. Matchbox cars, on the other hand, were designed to be as realistic as possible. Remember that 1973 Nova your parents drove? (laughs) There is probably a Matchbox car that looks just like it. That's not nearly as cool as the 1973 Hot Wheels Nova that had a big engine sticking out of its hood set on top of huge rear wheels in the style of a dragster. But I preferred Matchbox cars. Was it because I liked the more original-looking car over the souped-up version, as we would call them? After all, my father was a purist. When I was young, we would drive by a 57 Chevy with shiny chrome rims and and painted in a current flashy color, and my father would say, Look what they did to that car. They should be arrested. (laughs) He loved the original look and color and thought that they should all be restored that way. Was I echoing what my father said in my ear over and over as a kid? Nope. The reason I love Matchbox cars is because they functioned better than Hot Wheels cars. It was all about performance for me. Which finally brings me to running. I see a lot of people who are way more concerned about how they look when they run rather than how they perform. I've seen people who won't go to the local track and run because they feel inadequate to share the track with what they call real runners. They look at the short shorts and flashy singlets that they would never be bold enough to wear on the group of guys churning out 70-second 400s like it's no big deal. That could never be me, they think. I'm not worthy to share the track with those people in my knee-length shorts and t-shirt from the local 5K race. I have asked people to run with me who have refused. Why? Because they're slower than me. And they say, I don't want to slow you down. I knew they were slower than me before I asked them. If I wasn't willing to slow down, I would not have asked. But they feel inadequate to run with me. They think I'm the cool Hot Wheels guy while they're just the practical matchbox guy. But I'm a matchbox guy. I'm about function, not style. 
Do you know how I buy my training shoes? I buy the same style every time, and I buy whatever color is cheapest. I made one change to my training shoes in over 10 years. I purchased over 40 pairs of one particular style until one day they were out of stock, and I needed them. The guys at the local running store shared with me another style of the same brand that was essentially the same but lasted longer. I bought them out of necessity, and now I have purchased, I'd say, about 40 pairs of them over the years. I'm practical when it comes to shoes, but I'm also practical with everything else I run in. I have the same story with my socks. I have a couple dozen pairs of the same socks. They aren't the $15 per pair Swiftwick socks either. They're three, they are three dollars per pair no-name brand socks that feel good on my feet. Now, there's nothing wrong with the Swiftwick socks. They are a high-quality product, and they are way cooler than my socks, but mine work fine. The shorts I wear are not the most popular style, but they work best for me. They cost about $20 per pair, cheap as far as running shorts prices go. I could tell you the story of my highly discounted GPS watch, too, but you get the point. I'm all about comfort and performance. I'm a Matchbox car fan. Please understand. I'm not saying everyone should eschew their $40 running shorts and $80 running leggings. After all, I do have a pair of $275 racing shoes. I'd be a hypocrite if I said we should all be wearing the cheapest functional things we can find. But the question is, what is your focus? Are you focused on looking cool like a Hot Wheels car? Or are you focused on making your body the best it can be like a Matchbox car? Let me make a confession here. Sometimes, if I'm out to eat, and I have my food at my table, I think about how I need to pray over my food because there are other people there who need to see me praying. I have found myself more worried about how it looks than the content of my prayer. Sure, it can be impactful for those around me to see me pray, but that is not the purpose of my prayer. The purpose of my prayer is to be thankful for my food and the ability to pay for that food and expressing that to my Heavenly Father is important. But it is easy to lose sight of that fact when it's the 20,000th time you have bowed in prayer before a meal. It underscores how human I am and illustrates how perfectly, why, so perfectly, why I need my Heavenly Father to begin with. Are you a Hot Wheels runner or walker? Concerned about what people think around you, or the people around, what the people around you think about you? Or are you a matchbox runner or walker who is more concerned about function and just being the best version of yourself? More importantly, do you have a Hot Wheels faith, flashy and impressive to those around you? Or do you focus on having a matchbox faith that is more about function of connecting you to the most, in the most direct way to the creator of the universe? As for me and my house, I pray that my relationship with the one and only maker of heaven and earth is what is most important to me. What do you think about Hot Wheels versus Matchbox? Do you have a preference? Well, I grew up in that era. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, did you observe the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, all uh, right, absolutely. Good. Good. I was ready for an argument. No, so. uh, no, no, no <laughs> argument. Uh, and uh, admittedly, uh, when I was younger, I liked the Hot Wheels better. Is that right? I, I did because they were fast. They, I had one matchbox that would make it through the loop. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just was the way the weight was distributed, I guess. Uh, but, uh, now I'm probably more of a matchbox guy. Yeah. 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 It's all, all about, all about function. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I've never, I've never been, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw something recently about how matchbox cars started. The matchbox cars started as a school project. 
a, a guy's daughter had a school project that was due and she had to make something and the thing that she made had to fit inside of a matchbox. And so he helped her make this car. It was made out of wood or something at the time, but he made this car that was small enough to fit inside this matchbox. And that's where matchbox cars came from. That is really cool. Isn't that cool? I thought that was fascinating. I got to ask Bryce about this. That, yeah. He, he, he has a suitcase with like over a hundred cars in it because his dads are all in there. Oh, yeah. And, and so, uh, and, and his uncles. And, and so I, I got to, I got to ask him. He'll, he'll tell us something profound. I'll send you an email. And tell all right. What he says. I, I, I'm, I'll be, I'll be hanging, waiting. Very good. Well, I've never been much about, uh, being flashy and, I've always been more about function than about anything. And, uh, maybe that's why I enjoy the grind of running a little bit because it's, it's, it's about, it's just about making yourself a little bit better each day. And it's not about being flashy. I don't, I don't care about flashy. Never have. No, I mean, I've never been that way. There are so many parallels between this and the life of the believer. Isn't there? Because running is the, that's the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the real, and it brings the real thing out of you. And you know, you got the, the, the scriptures where it talks about the, you know, them praying on the corners with their phylacteries and, you know, the, the giant, yes. you know, and, and just making a show of it. And there, and we see that, right? We see that out there. We see people who are trying to make a show of, of it. And, um, it's not about the show. It's about the substance. Yes, sir. Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the Bible every day for a full year. We go through the hard-to-pronounce names and all. (laughs) In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run for God Run Club to get access, so if you're not a member, join today. If you are a member, just find a Walk Through the Bible under the Nationwide Challenge tab. All right, every week I share a reason why running or walking is so awesome. And this is going to sound weird, but I love the sound of my footsteps on a quiet morning. I just love that rhythmic sound of your feet just clop, 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 clop. I just love that sound. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. You know, years ago we used to do these Dean's Thoughts on the Run videos. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those. But it's, it's, I'm running and I'm telling a story while I'm running. I'm basically sharing one of the Dean's thoughts while I'm running. And it's that, that rhythmic, you can hear my feet, my footsteps as, as I go. And I just, I enjoyed those videos as much as anything I've done. Just, I think because I just like the sound of the footsteps. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. I'm a little weird. <laughs> it has a rhythm about it. It does, and, and I can always tell when I'm getting really tired running. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is looking back in the past because right now I'm just trying to run. Yeah, and when when I was competitive, I have to admit that the rhythm was really really important to me to the point that I I was a minimalist. Yeah, as yeah. I didn't want to hear anything but my breathing and my my feet. Yeah. And yeah. my heart. And yeah. I, I think there's really some, I don't think that's weird. I think there's something to that. That's cool. 
So do you do you pay attention to professional running at all? Not much anymore. I no. just don't have time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love it. And yeah. I, it's one of the reasons I love this podcast because you guys always talk about it. And it's like that's kind of my my snapshot okay, of what's going good. on in professional running. Good. I really appreciate you sharing it. Well, good, good. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I can't help it. But we were just talking this past week about how this month, the month of June, which is when we're recording this, of 2023, may be one of the greatest months for running in the history of running. All the the world records and things that have been broken and and some of the races that they've had have just been unbelievable. So it's been a good, this has been a good month to, to be all over it, so... Um, so do you like, you mentioned, are, do you still like to, to be free from everything when you run or do you listen to music or podcasts or things? I, I, I do a little bit of both. I mostly do it with, with, uh, a headset with, with shocks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. because my wife told me, uh, when I was training for a triathlon and got out 30 miles from my house on my bike, she says, you're getting old. You need to have a phone with you. Yeah. And, and so, and, and that went to my long runs next. And so yeah. I've gotten where I, I carry it. Uh, honestly, I really still prefer the unplugged. The, yeah. I, I do. And, and I prefer to be fast enough to where I can hear my, my feet and not just my, my brain saying, trust God, you're not going to die. <laughs> so how many days a week do you like to run? I, I like to run four or five days a week. Okay. And right now I'm fortunate to get in three. Are you? Okay. But I try to do something every day. Yeah. So uh, here, here's, here's the thing about weight gain. When you gain weight, it hurts to run. Mm-hmm. And when it hurts to run, you don't want to run. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you just have to face that with courage and say, "And just do it anyway." It's gonna. That's just gonna have to happen. Yeah. I, I, t- I told you this before the podcast started. I'll keep this brief. But I, I remember when I was in my second peak here, and social media is involved, and I would look at people's running pace, and I said to myself, "If I ever ran that slow, I'd quit." Yeah. And now, Coach Dean, that's what I'm running. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the joy is there, though. The yeah. joy of the Lord is in it, and I sense his pleasure in it. Yeah. And, and, and I, just, I just feel great, even at a 12-minute mile. I feel mm-hmm. great, just like I did after a 7-minute mile. I remember when I was in high school, the newspaper came by and interviewed me, and they asked me why I run when I was in high school. Well, I ran for a different reason in high school. So my answer was, well, I run to win. <laughs> my mother didn't like that answer. <laughs> um, but I always thought back in that day, I always thought that if, if I couldn't be competitive, I didn't really want to run. Nowadays, if I never ran another race in my life, I would still run every day because that's what I like to do. So it's amazing how our perspective changes. Isn't it though? Yeah. And we have an appreciation for it like we never have before. So you mentioned your diet already. Yeah. Have you ever, have you listened to any of the podcasts where we talk about the plant-based diet that I've been oh, on? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's, uh, I tried it. Did you? I, I've tried it. Did it not it, work out? It doesn't, you? it doesn't work well for me. Okay. And, uh, uh it, it might be blood type. Are you an O? I don't know. I am. 
Okay. Yeah. I, it might be blood type. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. And, and uh, I've I've tried it. Yeah. It okay. causes too many stomach issues. And oh, really? It's really, it's really hard when I'm traveling. It's really oh, hard yeah. to to find plant based stuff. And and I still every year I I go a while, and it always leads me to conclude that I probably don't need to be eating as much meat as I am. Yeah. As, as I. Yeah, I probably eat too much. We definitely eat uh, th- this day and time. We eat a lot more meat than than people in general ate. You know, a hundred years ago, we didn't eat near the meat we eat these no, days. And, people uh, think we did. People think that people had a steak for dinner every night back then. It's not true. Uh, and, and they've gotten bigger too. They have. Uh, every all portions have gotten bigger, right? Uh, yes, and plates have gotten bigger. Yeah. I just heard a, a little lecture about that. Wow. That if you look at from when we were a child to now, the plates have almost doubled in size. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. And you're you right. put a smaller plate in front of you, you're going to eat less. Yeah, yeah. So do you do any like supplementation, vitamins, anything like that? Uh, I, I really have to watch my bees. Okay. And uh, C vitamin is very important yeah. uh, with what I do. And in our age range, we deplete C vitamins a lot faster. That's right. I'm real prone to respiratory things. I was even before I had COVID. Okay. Uh, but I'm real prone to uh, respiratory things, so I really keep the C up. Yeah. Lately, I've been taking uh, oh, berberine. Oh, really? Yeah, and and uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see if I'm going to huh. stay with it. it. Yeah, it's really it seems to really be helping. Really, okay. really kills my appetite, not because it makes me feel sick. Huh. Well, that's it's, interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. it's just uh, so we're still playing around with it. Yeah, well, good, good. Uh, yeah, Epsom salt bath, ice bath. Which one? Either one? Neither. <laughs> After my first marathon, it was crazy cold. I went and got in the pool. Oh my god! <laughs> Up to my waist, and there were a whole bunch of marathons out there moaning and groaning. Uh, 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 you know, I, I ice things that hurt. When I was training for Marine Corps, the flight attendants I flew with, they'd say, "Do you need an ice bag today, sir?" <laughs> and a lot of days, they were handing me ice bags through yeah. the cockpit door uh, for what hurt. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm. I don't really have much time to be yeah, still. Yeah. My my shower before I go fly or do something else is probably just about it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's some science to it. <laughs> what about shoe preferences? Do you have a particular brand or style? Uh, they change so fast. They do. And I have a good shoe dealer. Yeah. In North Myrtle Beach. Okay. He also has a store in Pauly's Island. Okay. And uh, so when you're vacationing out there, you got to go see. Paul and Kathy. Okay. Uh, but um, something with some mild stability in it. Okay. Uh, shoes without stability, I always have ankle injuries. Uh, and so I'm flat-footed. Yeah. And I wear shoes a half size or to a size bigger than okay. I should, than I need to, because of the flat feet. It's yeah. a real interesting dynamic. Uh, but uh, right now, what I'm wearing right now is Asics 2000s. Okay. Love them. Yeah. First pair of Asics. Uh, Saucony has a guide yeah that i had like five uh, maybe five to seven pairs yeah i ran i got 700 miles out of one one pair of, of the model seven yeah they don't make those anymore not not uh, like that yeah um uh, hokas i can only wear when i'm really heavy yeah. the hoka arahi has a little stability mm-hmm. in it and as heavy as i am right now i'm really liking that shoe okay. when i'm lighter i don't like it yeah it wrenches my knees because oh, no. it's so soft yeah, but they are soft. being this heavy, it it uh, it's uh, it's nice to have them. Uh, uh, you ask about preference, so my preference is to keep them rotating. 
Yeah. Well, I a lot mean, of people do. A lot of people do. Um, I get hurt less when I rotate. Some people, yeah, some people feel that way. And I feel like I, I, I feel better if I just find something I like and just stick to it. So I wear a Saucony Freedom right now. It's, I've, again, I've, I mentioned, before, I had probably 40 pairs of them. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I've just, that's what I buy. I just, I buy them two pairs at a time. And, um, so that I've, I've got them. For me, I've got an unopened pair in my closet right now, just waiting for me to wear the ones out I'm wearing on my feet. And as soon as I wear those out and I put those new ones on, I'll buy two more pair and stick them in my closet. <laughs> now that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, well. Um, so do you like to run with people? You like to run by yourself? Sounds like you like to run by yourself, or you do run by yourself a lot, but. By by necessity, yeah. <clears throat> Though um, the the best things I've I've done in my life have been by myself and then joined with people later. Okay. And so I love to race. Yeah. I, I, I love race day. Yeah. And I love the other runners, but I really prefer to run by myself. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's such a treat when I get to run with other people, especially at a race. Yeah. And uh, and yet. By necessity, and you know, you you work in something like airlines. People are frantic and angry and hurried, and it's really nice to decompress. I'll bet. I'll bet. Hadn't thought about that. Wow. So, do you like to do you record your run? Do you use Garmin Connect or Strava or anything like that? Or I kept paper logs for years. Did you? I have stacks of them. Yeah. And this Garmin Connect is just as good, maybe better. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I use Garmin Connect. Love so, it. do you put in like the extra information for the run, or do you just let it do what it does? Mostly, I, I just let it do what it does. But yeah. when it, lately that hip has been flaring up again, yeah. So I've been doing elliptical. And, okay. and uh, I don't see a good way to make Garmin work with that. No, so true. I just log it manually. Okay. And, and it's it's helped that hit, by the way. Yeah. It's really helped. It's made my running stronger. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, let me uh, let me ask this trivia question <laughs> for this week. Kind of already alluded to this, but I, I want to ask this question. Do ice baths or Epsom salts bath, baths work? And which one is better? Now, some of that's a little bit of preference, but I want you to really dig into this and give give me an answer. And I'll tell you what we'll do. The first one to answer with what is a substantive answer, that's who's going to win. So, in other words, I'm not sure that I care exactly what your answer is, but I want it to be thought out. So, do ice baths or Epsom salt baths work, work, first of all, and then which one is better? I can't wait to hear this. I can't wait to hear the answer. <laughs> if you know the answer to that, if you want to answer that, uh, send that to dean at runforgod.com. And again, I'm going to award that to the person who I feel like has the first person who comes in with a good, thoughtful answer. All right, I'm going to leave you with this motivational thought of the week. It comes from Kathleen Harris, and it says this. Don't fear moving slowly. Don't, boy, boy, I can't speak today. Don't fear moving slowly forward. Fear standing still. It's good, right? Just keep moving, especially as we get older and we, we move a little bit slower. Just keep moving. Just keep getting one foot in front of the other, right? So good. Speed is not important. If you're out there and you're worried that you can't run faster than a 15-minute mile, don't worry about that. You're still running a mile, and that's what matters. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Keith. So appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you've got plenty going on, so to take all this time has been special. So I really appreciate it. It's been really special to me. I so appreciate it. Well, that's great. And um, hopefully we'll be seeing... We'll be seeing you shed those pounds and get back to feeling good about running and not having to go out there and feeling like I've got to force myself to go run because it hurts. Absolutely. I hope that's uh, in the near future for you. Yes, sir. We're praying for you. All right. Until next week, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.